chapter 2. And Paul got come at us for two angles, for the angle of simply good practical life skills, and also we're going to just look under the surface at something in the Spirit as well. Ruth chapter 2. Last week, if you was here, we spoke on Ruth chapter 1. It was a tragic story about a woman or a few women that lost everything. Naomi and her husband went to live in Moab because there was a famine in the house of bread, taking their two sons with them. And this woman, Naomi, went to Moab. Moabites was, um, they were big on immorality, worshiping false idols. Some of their doctrines was as severe as sacrificing kids to please small g God, okay? There was always seems to be at warheads. We'll speak about war and we think about war of the day. Them and Judah or Israel, there was always a turmoil against each other. But Naomi took our family, Elimelech as well, husband, went to Moab. Tragically, Naomi's husband died, leaving her a widow. We had two sons that were married. Tragically, 10 years after, the two sons died, leaving Naomi with two in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. They were both Moabites, Ruth and Orpah. On the way back, Naomi heard that the house of bread was starting to produce bread again, that there was good news, that there was favor amongst God's people again. So Naomi says, look, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And on that way, uh, Naomi and Orpah followed Naomi says, okay, you, you two girls, I've got nothing else to offer you. I can't promise you nothing. Go back to your family with your gods. Orpah says, okay, I'm off. Never hear about Orpah again, but Ruth says, no. There was a moment of salvation for she said to Naomi, I'm coming with you to Bethlehem. Forever you live, I will live. Your God will be my God until the day we die. Nothing's got to separate us. We spoke about last week, sometimes following Jesus. It's not about the blessing that's up ahead. It's about just being connected with Jesus. Jesus isn't just for Christmas. He's for a lifetime, and He's worth following. And some love will get you so far with Jesus, and there'll be a moment of proving your love for Him. It goes so far. There'll be a moment of trial, and it's like, are you going to step over the line and fully commit to Jesus come what may? But as we ended it, it was still a desperate story, even though they were in the house of bread. Chapter 2, things seem to get better. I'll give you an overall picture of chapter 2, then we'll go into the Scriptures. Chapter 2, there's just little um, signs of hope. It says they joined together just before the beginning of chapter 2, they joined together uh, Naomi and Ruth, and it says it was just at the beginning of harvest time. Just, it was at the beginning of spring, the beginning of harvest time, and the barley, it was starting to, it was hidden, it just growing, it was ready to harvest. So you just think, this is the bad story, maybe there's some hope to turn good. Far like springtime, I came we're getting in the darker season, sometimes that's okay, log fire, stuff like that, but springtime, there's this anticipation, things, darkness is gone, winter is gone, and now things are starting to grow again. Sun's beginning to shine again. 
So we get to set the scene that the sun's beginning to shine again in Bethlehem amongst God's people. Naomi and Ruth are staying together, but there's a problem that they're going hungry. There's no employment, there's no benefit scheme, there's no handouts, there's no food banks, there's nothing. And so Ruth says to Naomi, look, I need to find a job. I need to go get do something. And then Naomi says, okay, you go. Go work in a harvest. And Ruth, with the heart of a servant, doing fits necessary, she goes and she works. There's a few things to consider. She considers she's still a Moabite. She's still a stranger. She puts herself out there. But there's this law that was instituted by God. It was like the benefit scheme. And he said this to the harvesters. This was the law. That if you're involved in a harvest and you're a farmer, then I go to the very end and harvest a thing. Then I go every corner, but leave some for poor people. Then I harvest the hail field. Cut some corners, leave an edge so that when poor people come, they've got something to go in. Because God's heart is always to be generous to the poor amongst us. God's heart is now that people should go with food. He was like, look, for the farmers, for the harvesters, you might be okay. Please leave some for the poor, for the downtrodden, so that they may glean as well. So Ruth being a Moabite positions herself as an absolute pauper. She might have been rich in Moab, and she might have been rich in heart, but Ruth says, I'm going to take the position of somebody that's poor. I bet you like Jesus. If I gave up everything and became a poor person to live and to die for us, okay? So Ruth, then she's just gleaning. Now, this is near a turn up to at nine job, finish at five o'clock. This was a commitment from morning to night behind the harvest hours, if it was necessary, just to get something. It wasn't just for her, it was for Naomi. And it says in the Bible, it just so happened that she went into the harvest field, the guy that owned it was a kinsman redeemer for the family. I'll explain how that's maybe in the weeks to come. He had a family connection with Boaz. He was rich. He was wealthy. Boaz gets the hots immediately for Ruth and says, oh, who's this woman working in the field? If you look at the original context, it was like this. Oh, she's stunning. Why is she? And the foreman says, oh, that's Ruth, the Moabite. Oh, he says, I need to connect with her. So Boaz then commits to looking after Ruth. A bit like Jesus as we us, we us. And he says, look, Ruth, work in the field. I'll protect you. Drink for your need. And he instructed the people of the harvest, look, leave a lot for Ruth. Make sure she's looked after. And Ruth is working hard. She thinks his blessings are coming for heaven. She doesn't care. And that Boaz is telling these workmen, you've got to leave good lot of grain for this Ruth. There's something about this servant-hearted Moabite woman that I've seen an interest in. Leave it for her. Boaz still honors her servant hearts. Oh, Ruth, he doesn't say, look, she doesn't need to work another day in her life because I really want her. He says, keep her as a servant, but I'm just going to look after her. And this is the context of chapter 2. That's the overall picture. What can we glean for this? Let's delve in to the Scriptures. We've got to look at it again just for a practical point of view, and then we've got to scratch 
the surface. You with me? Nod your head if you've just got, okay, I get, I get the context here. Now, chapter 2. There was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz in the house of bread, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, listen to us, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. In the context of war, foreign associations, Ruth was a Moabite. You've got to understand how us would feel for her. She was an outsider. She would have been recognized through dialect that she was a Moabite. She might have looked the same, but like in northeast of Scotland, things within a few miles people speak differently, didn't they? Boys here in the broch, boy keys a few miles out. The grass here, gars a few miles out. School here, squeal a few miles out. So somebody might say in the broch, as a loon, well, no boy, a loon, went to school, played football on the grass. A few miles away, a boy key, or went to squeal, I think it's still football, is it? Played football and the girls. A few miles away, you get to Aberdeen. If you're from Aberdeen, yeah, it's a town's hour. Again, I had chums who went all through school, speaking the same as me, two months in Aberdeen, and suddenly there are towns are. A good chum, Paul Much, grew up together, would just sell a lot of history, laughs together, was the same. He did an appeal course in Aberdeen. And within two months, he came back and was like, yeah, Kevin, you know, we, we're going out in the town this weekend. We've got the Royal. We can hook up. Like, no, Paul, we go down the road. That's where we go. We don't go out in the town. We go down the road. Okay, right? So we get this, this Moabite woman in the house in Bethlehem, the house of bread. She would have been instantly recognized as a foreigner. Christ's heart for us is that we would accept foreigners, people of different dialect, different backgrounds. There's a real practical side to Christianity. If she was not accepted in the harvest field as a Moabite, the story would not have ended well. She needed a foreman to say, okay, come along. We can't hear a Moabite. We can't hear people worship differently for us. We can't have a different dialect. We can that you might history, we Yahweh, but let's come on and work together. In this warm, torn place we call the globe, with the hair heart from when we was away for a few days, it was great to see in the hotel Ukrainians. People have differences, but to be accepted. But yet again, Christianity goes a step further. It's not just about accepting the victims, Ukraine, as we would see, but it's how you treat Russians. Isn't it? Is every Russian, because we was brought up because of the history, it was Germany bad. Especially when they were stealing your sun loungers abroad. But in a historical context, that it was always a tension between the nations. But Jesus would hear 
It's a story of the Samaritan. We need just compassionate to the victims but the people on the other side. And Christian love is to do we okay embracing the victims, but also if a Russian was to come into our midst, just speaking about good principles, would we say, well, you're the badins, Tirio, or would we say, hey, Paul, Apostle Paul says, I look at nobody on a mouth through earthly principles, but through the eyes of the cross. Amen? And when you look at people through the eyes of the cross, is it, are they a person? Yes. Do they breathe? Yes. They're not an animal. Did Jesus die for them as well as me? The answer is yes. Well, okay, let's put our arms out in compassion in difficult places and let's work together. Practical advice. Another practical advice, Ruth could have sat and did nothing and waited for a moment and prayed and fasted and listened to soaking music, waiting for an opportunity to knock on her door. But she never. There was no burning bush, there was no angelic encounter, sorry for now being as spiritual as you, but she had a problem, she needed fed, she had a mother-in-law that she loved and wanted to look after, and so she says, one day I need to go to the harvest field and become a poor person to survive. It's okay to do if it's necessary to survive. The economy might be shot and different things are happening, but we've got to believe in God's sovereignty in our life, His providence and provision, and it's okay to go and just gather some grain and to get up and go. But what does that look like? Right. If the leadership had a meeting after this and decided, okay, and came to me and says, okay, Kevin, we've, we've uh, had a meeting. Ah, our suspicions are confirmed. You are a whack job. You're not getting a month's notice. It's time for you to go. I could go home. I could hear a six-hour soaking meeting. We must sell in God. Wait for a Rima word. Phone loads of people, wait for advice and wait for an opportunity to knock on my door at my house and uh, looking for the, the grand call of God's life. But I guarantee you, if that was to happen within 24 hours, I would find myself another job. I would get up, and this time of morning, I would probably have a pair of yellow welly boots on, a pair of oil skins, and a fish factory, and I can pray while I cut monkfish in ice boxes, because there is no shame in doing if it's necessary. Ruth says, nothing is beneath me. She never said, hold on a minute, I was somebody in Moab. Hold on a minute, life has dealt me a blow the world owes me something. God will provide. I'll sit in my backside, do nothing, while an opportunity comes knocking. There is no shame if life gives you a knock to get up and go. Can I hear an amen for that? And they say, oh, well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just get out of favors I can. Other people owe me a living. There's no shame in just saying, right, I will do if it's necessary to put food on the table. I used to cut monkfish, 
to feed a habit, I would need to feed my kids. There's no shame about it. We'd go for it. And you need to realize in life, fit is a stepping stone and fit is the final destination. For Ruth, gleaning like a poor person was a stepping stone to a final destination. God says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it well. Sometimes in life, if to put your hand to something, you do it well, realizing this, this might not be the final destination for me, but this, this is just a stepping stone to do if it's necessary until God fulfills His ultimate plan in my life, whatever it is, and I'm not going to turn up a fish factory grumpy like the world owes me a living. I'm going to say to the foreman, I'll turn up in time. If you want my leaf, every time you say, job's done, the job is done. Hopefully, I'm there speaking prophetically out of my life. It's just a fact. Survival can kick in. Then I think God's near in the survival moments. God can be in the survival instinct moments when you say, hey, I've sat around here too long. I've mourned too long. I've, I've just relied on other people's kindness too long. I'm about to do something about this. God can be in that moment. He didn't always need a Rima word. I'm still Granny Chrissy's grandchild. My Granny Chrissy was a hero. She worked in the local hospital. If you didn't cane on a bear, you'd have thought she was a doctor. You came for what she did to make a living. She became a widow when I was newborn. She scrubbed hospital fleers. Me and my brother used to bide with her, and then Laura and Louise came along after us. Every single Friday night, you came for my Friday nights, looked like luxury. We had, she came with a cheese board, there was different types of cheese and digesters. We used to sit, my granny Lizzie, my auntie Elsa, my uncle Ian, we used to sit, eat food, watch casualty, and she learned my how to play cards. <laughs> In the morning, I used to watch Italian football on Saturday morning in football focus. She'd go back and forth to the kitchen. I had bile eggs and soldiers. In the morning, just dip them in. She made them perfectly. She spent most of her day in the kitchen cooking broth, brisket, tongue. Coos tongue. She used to, why has ever eaten coos tongue? I'm going to just admit it. Keep your hands raised if you like eating coos tongue. Yes! This is my people. When we got married, it's about, you can't believe the death is he, he coos tongue. You actually do that. Is that some sort of crazy ritual? No. My granny Crusade bought a coos tongue for the butcher, did it perfectly. You could cut it up, put some salt and salt cream. Yes. Praise the Lord. My granny used to stand and cook while me and my brother had the gas boiling. Gas fire on during winter. Went to bed on a Friday night. We uh, hit water bottle. The room was freezing and used to hug the hair water bottle. My granny never ever moaned. Never ever complained. Through the week she would scrub fleers. Did if it was necessary. I'm still a grandchild. They would do if it's necessary. And you can sometimes go to waking up and say, we are prepared to do if it's necessary. Ruth just did if it's necessary. Dean if it's necessary. Sometimes God's plan is a stepping stone to get you to the next place. And it's okay. There's no shame. If you need to pick whelks, you can pick whelks. There's no shame in doing if it's necessary. Practical advice. Let me go out. Just let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. 
Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvest as, as it happened. She found herself working in a field as it happened. That's a bombshell. As she went, became a poor person, put her hands to serve. Whoever wrote this never realized that something so profound with four words as it, three words. I was including the and. <laughs> as it happened. If she led doing to her misery, you couldn't write, and as it happened, it's as she did what's necessary on the journey, on the stepping stone, as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. As you go under the providence of God, as you put your hands to the plow, things happen in your life, and in retrospect, sometimes you only see, as it happened. It just happened. I was just doing life, but as it happened, I found myself at the right place at the right time, and I can see God's fingerprints in the history of my life, but I didn't see it when I was plowing the field, but I see it now looking back as it happened. You have your own as it happened story. As it happened, I was in a tough moment. As it happened, I had a Christian friend. As it happened, while our anxiety in my life was out of control, as it happened, my Christian friend invites my church, invites my aunt off, of course. As it happens, I show up. Even if it was difficult, I refused to take the beating that life was dishing up. I got up, I got out of my house as far it was a happening. I couldn't see God in the story then, but I turned up. These people were friendly. I heard about the gospel. As it happened, this Alpha course seemed to be really good, Amanda, didn't it? And as it happened, she got saved. And as it happened, our auntie started to hear about the gospel as well. And as it happened, she turns up saying, I'll never pray loud. I'll never do much in tea with church. I can't if I'm here. For, I can't. I'm maybe just here for the biscuits. But as it happened, God touches another life. As it happens, God lay a dune, take a beating. But as it happens, look back at your life. There's an as it happened. We heard Callum's testimony a few weeks ago, and I made a pick in your column. It was just a good story. Just doing his bike. In a moment, thinking, what on earth has gone on with my life? Probably turmoil gone through every step of the way. Wondering if there's a God, wondering about spiritual things. How can somebody respond to the gospel if nobody tells them? As it happens, you meet a guy called Liam. As it happens, he comes along. As it happens, he hears a sermon. As it happens, he comes. He gets baptized. He gets saved. As it happens, the guy's completely changed. As it happens, he's sitting here. Look at your history of life. As it happened, you got up, you served. Stepping stones. I've got, I could write a hell story. I could be here at supper time telling you about as it happens. As it happens, I became a man. Listen to this scene. Margaret and Anna are sisters, as it happens. As it happens, Margaret's grandchild got messed up in heroin, as it happens. As it happens, Anne's son, Ben, started a local charity called the Sword Rock Cafe, and I even came of Ben sinned in his life. And I can't even swore in his life. St. Ben started for, as God told him, the Sword Rock Cafe that was unique in joining the drug addict with rehab. As it happened, 
grandchild Kevin was looking for help, and the only ever rehab that was ever mentioned beyond the thing was Teen Challenge, and this guy Ben, that was probably a cousin far removed, I don't know how you work out that out, but or something else, <laughs> he's my granny's sister's loon, or granny's sister's boykey. Eh? It's my mom's cousin, aye. As it happens, he gets a phone call. Also, I knew him through working with Whitelink as well. He gets a phone call to come to my door. He explains to me about Teen Challenge Rehab. It's a Christian rehab. And I was like, I've been gone for a Christian. I just need to get clean. I'll go out. I was in a lot of debt. It was free. Okay, I just need two weeks to get out, to go out. But as it happened, I had a connection with Ben already. As it happened, we go, go our separate ways. I got a rehab as it happened. As it happened, we got saved. As it happened... I went, when I went, or was near a rehab north of the border for Teen Challenge, I went to go to Wales. I had to go to Bradford to do a detox and then go to Wales. But as it happened, when I was in Keithley, they raised the money for a rehab at the borders called Winchester. As it happened, I moved there. While I was there, as it happened, people was in the brook praying for a place up in the northeast of Scotland. As it happened, while I was in rehab, I had no idea if I wanted to do after the Teen Challenge program, but as it happened, there was a place for a minutes for the brook. As it happened, they were struggling for volunteers. As it happened, I was coming to the end of the program. As it happened, I was still, I was 20. Some folk would say, too young to work in a rehab. You didn't do the jail time. You didn't, wasn't an addict enough. But as it happened, nobody else was offering. I was simply available. As it happened, I started working there as a junior support worker, became a support worker. As it happened, Byron Royal was dean of teaching. He says to me, as it happened, he listened to one chapel and says, hmm, I think you can maybe teach. Do you want to come on the teaching, Rota? As it happened, there was no pay increase. He had to put in mere effort to get the job done. As it happened, I says, okay, I'll put him on the Rota, I'll get a try. As it happened, turned out to be okay. As it happened, they were looking for volunteers to go do the Elam Conference. We used to do the kids' work in the Elam Conference. Me and Isabel, we didn't hear much when we got married financially. Didn't really hear some of our holidays. We, um, one week, and people that's been here a while will understand this. Isabel used to do one week of our holidays at kids' camp, and I would join for youth camp, one week. And they were looking for volunteers to do the Elam kids work at the conference. Now, if you used to ask me to do kids work, it's like right down there for me. Like, I didn't feel the call, and I feel nothing about it, but okay, there was needing help, we'll go, as it happened. As it happened, there was a theological stand at the Elam Bible course, Elam Bible um, conference. So, as it happened, I thought, well, I'm doing teaching, I might as well find out about this. As it happened, somebody seen me and says, hey, if you want to do it, we'll pay the fees. As it happened, and then did the two years theological course, and as it happened, my brother-in-law David during his time says, hey, we're looking for an assistant. You've done the course in half a year. Would you come and help us here? As it happened, God's fingerprints through the story, as it happened, if I didn't tell you, was as it happened, the very first Sunday, we became the ministers here, me and Isabel, Ben Ritchie comes back into the story, 
in his first Sunday as a senior minister or AOG, AOG Central, was the very same Sunday as it happened. The legacy, the history, Margaret, and keep praying for the generation to come. You're never sure if it's going to happen. I'm not saying this to Boston May as it happened. Look at your sale. Why are you sitting here? There'd be a moment or as it happened. If I reviewed my life, I'm glad you just got up and went sometimes and let God join the dots in your life. Look for opportunities and just answer the question, look, if you can do it, do it. Church ministry, where is church ministry? Sometimes people look for the call, the ream of word, the feeling of the Holy Spirit to do something. You can sometimes have valuable ministry, the leftovers. Ruth went and did the leftovers. Sometimes church ministry and getting involved, you got to find yourself doing the leftovers. The things that nobody else really wants to do, but you do it anyway with a servant heart. And just do it because it needs done. Is there only thing in this fellowship that you think isn't it getting done? You think, I could do that. It doesn't get done. It's a ministry of the leftovers. It's like this. This is your home. This is our home. If you see a bin needs emptied, right? We don't need a rota, do we? <laughs> like, because that's just what happens. Stuff doesn't get, we need a rota. We need rotas on top of rotas intertwined with rotas, and we need a bin empty in ministry. It needs to be somebody shorty to do it, because it needs to get done. If you come to me and say, I've noticed a bin is full, we need a bin empty in rota, I'll say, no. If a bin is full, we just need to empty it. It's a, it's a ministry of the leftovers, very honorable towards God. If it whether we look for volunteers, and some of the people for volunteers, something needs printed, bags need drag, we need to take stuff up for the shop. Okay, and if you look at it and think, oh no, I'm beyond that, I'm beyond that, I'm beyond that, I'll say, you're nay. Now, some people can't help, Naomi couldn't help. If you can help and you've got time, please and thank you, come along. Because it's sometimes at that moment that God looks like looks at it and says, that is them. They've still got the servant of the heart. They didn't think they're too good or too anointed or too involved with the harvest to do the menial things that need to be done to see church go. Abdi wants to lead a harvest. I was going to pick the little grains and say, okay, walk past. We see an aisle. There's a coffee cup full of coffee. But somebody's maybe left. And if it's left, a little kid's going to come, knock it out, spell the carpet, and somebody's going to have to clean it up. The ministry of the leftovers is saying, hey, I can pack up a wah. And if you go to the sink, if you have time after that, and you go to the sink and there's five cups lying, this is your home, you can wash five cups. It's the ministry of the leftovers. Can I hear an amen? If you can do it, help. It's simple. If one is in here that can think they're too godly or too positioned in leadership to say I'm not doing that, it could be me. But we're a team. If a job's needing done, let's garner together and let's do the menial things well because it shows God a heart or a servant. And I kind of probably spoken too long on that. We're going to rewind. We're going to look at us a little bit different and they keep you here too long. 
But I want to see us for a different perspective. Practical advice. Have you got the practical advice put up your hand? You've listened, you've taken notes. It's good to take notes during preaching. Better a short pencil than a long memory. So it's good to scrub doing things because we forget things, okay? I couldn't help but notice today with us harvest, grain. Jesus spoke about parables or the grain, the Word of God, the seed that turns into a harvest of righteousness. I've seen a woman called Ruth that saved. She saved at this point. Fan was her moment of salvation. Her moment of salvation, as soon as this left her lips, your God will be my God, Naomi. She was saved. She's right with Jesus. This is not a salvation issue. This is a discipleship issue. Ruth was sitting hungry. Cairns as a harvest, cairns as grain to be gotten, and says, I am going to get the grain. It's sometimes slim pickings. He didn't always get an applause for stuff like this. Like, if you put a cup of water, I'm not going to be there applauding you and announcing for the front. Look! Everybody cheer! (laughs) You're not going to get an applause. But you can at God's watching, and this is your house. This is your moment. You get the job done. You get my heart, okay? So, Ruth decides, okay, I am going to where the harvest is, and I need to get the grain. I need substance. I need to be fed. I know I'm a Moabite, but I need fed. I'm going to spiritualize this to deal with the Word of God. It's good grain, and you need fed. And discipleship is this, that if you are hungry, if you are thirsty, this Word of God I think is the only thing that's powerful enough and spiritual enough to feed the yearning within you to be fed. And I think God is looking for His people that will consider the Word of God, right, I'm going to have to get up, I might have to sacrifice, but I need to go to the Word. In the secret place, you're not going to get a round of applause, no, earthly, heavenly, maybe, It's got to look tough sometimes, yes, but I pray that as we, and it might be your first morning here, to come to the Word of God for your sustenance because there's good grain to be found here. There's great stories, but this is God's ultimate tool, His undeniable Word, God-breathed through people, written down for us to digest and it will feed ourselves that if we ignore this wonderful word, you will search in different things for your feeding. You will search in entertainment for your feeding. You'll go to relationships for your feeding. You'll go to your spouse for your feeding. You will look for something to feed your spirit and soul. But here we see a person that says, I'm gone to God's people to glean the grain. And it's tough sometimes, and it's hard sometimes, but it's God's could say a tool to feed us. The best thing I can say to anybody that's your first morning, first time here, newly saved, is not to fire you into a ministry and say, okay, you love working with young people, come turn up to youth on Friday night. It's not to say, okay, you like working with kids, turn up to the kids on Friday night. But it's us. Come to the Bible study. 
Come to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. <laughs> Come and see how other Christians navigate the Word of God. The best way I can teach you to pray is nay to give a list of ten good tips how to pray. I can tell you a few points. Be disciplined here, time here, place here, space as you're supposed to pray. It could be in the beach, it could be in the car, it could be a moment anywhere else. The best why you will learn to pray is by listening to other people pray. Getting in the room. Because you have to feed yourself. You have to pray through things. Now, Neil's got a helper there to phone at any time. There's got to have to be a time in your life to feed yourself. Ruth got up and fed herself. New Christian. Want to see you contend in the ministry. Go well, go far, dream big. But unless you can how to navigate that 66 books and feed you, I something will come up doing the line and will send your hell calling and hell idea ministry haywire because God will look for them. They will consider the Word of God, I need the grain. I need the feeding. You can't navigate and read and sometimes it's tough. There's names I don't understand. There's stories I don't understand. Kevin, you speak about context of an idea how I approach the book. As long as you approach the book, I think it changed sometimes. During the pandemic, it was on my phone, on the app. That Bible app was great. I was doing devotions, but then I just thought, ah, there's something. I need to change gear here. I'm just not getting the same. And so it's new. Kitchen table, there is a physical Bible. Physical Bible for the, for the younger generations. Life doesn't get lived just on apps. Bible open continually. On the kitchen table, it maybe just gets moved for supper times. Physical, but I've got myself a new Bible, so I can hear here. Another Bible out in the kitchen table. What a difference it's made to my life. Because sometimes you just grab a cup of coffee, if you're here in a moment, the Bible's already open. Like, I don't have to be uh, going, in, uh, going in the cupboard and blow out the cobwebs and knock for it. It's already open. If you're looking for a hint, and find a space, could be a bedroom, could be Wherever you spend time, laundry room or kitchen table, just have an open Bible. And you will find that it's already there, and you can sit down, and you just read, and you read, and you read, and it does something within you. I'm almost done. It wasn't just for her. Naomi was incapable to go, incapable to go. Ruth, under the care of Boaz, got so much grain. And as I've said, you can read a story for yourself why Ruth was just gleaning, getting the grain, getting the word. Boaz says, make sure she gets more than she thought she would get. The word of God within you will always give you more than what you think you're getting in the moment. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword that can split you it can encourage you, it can challenge you. If one thing is out of line, it can get you, it can hit you. And there's always just something more going on at that time. And as you're studying the Word of God, Jesus is like us. What I give him 
more feeding than they thought they were getting at this time. And another thing, it's not just for you. It wasn't just for Ruth. It was for Naomi that was starving. Reading the Word of God is so powerful, I would say this. You'll get more than you thought you was getting, and it's not just for you. It's for the person that's in this world that is starving, looking for hope. What have you got to offer the lonely, the downtrodden, and the lost if it's not something of the Word of God? Are you got to mark up something that sounds nice and expect that to feed them in their spirit? It's amazing when you get to this book that you have learned in the secret place, you've then got something to pass on to somebody that is looking for hope, and then Scripture comes alive, and before you can it, you're three points in a sermon beginning with P, and you didn't even prepare it. But there's a Naomi looking for Ruth's that will simply feed themselves and go for the grain and work tirelessly night and day read the Word of God, apply it, and then you start feeding other people. That's good ministry. It's more than just turning up to clubs and doing stuff. It's getting in the place, getting in the grain, allowing it to feed you so that feed, this is near a salvation issue because you might be saved, sanctified, I say might, and say, well, why do I need? I need the Word. Saved, Pastor tell him I was saved, I prayed a prayer. It's, it's more than being saved. There's other, other people's lives at stake. And God just wants, doesn't he just want you to go to heaven one day once you die? He wants you to be right with him. You hear me? He wants you to be right with him. He wants you to love him the right way. He wants you to feed on his eternal word. He says that His Word, He exalts above all things. He's now got to change His Word. You feed it on it yourself. Get the Bible open, and then you'll hear enough for the Naomi's in this world, the people that surround you are looking for hope as well. And she harvested at the right place at the right time. I saw it happened, entered our life. Finally, this, if it was the upshot, she found us in the harvest field. Refreshing. Boaz said this, make sure she gets water. She's diligent, she's came, she harvests. Verse 15. She came under the care. You know, verse 9, sorry. Verse 9, see which part of the field they're harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. She came under the protection of Boaz. She was harvesting at the right time in the right place. She come under the protection of Boaz. We come under the protection of Jesus when we are at the right place at the right time in our heart and our spirit. Things go wrong. When we ignore the Word of God, do your end things, you might think, when my life spirals out of control, is it God's judgment was an attack of the enemy? If it happens, and when we are left, our end devices are consequence, or our end devices life, we come under for the divine protection, things go wrong. And things can go wrong while you're feeding, while you're in the harvest, but at least you can. God is in control. This is near mess of my end making. But He says this, when you're thirsty, just help yourself to the water they have 
drawn from the well. I find this, when I'm gathering grain, when I'm in the world, it's also hand in hand refreshing for the soul. More than 10 gallons of water in a desert place is the Word of God. When you're feeding on Him in this world that's so dry and desert that God would say, hey, there's pools of refreshing in desert land, and it comes through people that are feeding. It brings refreshing, doesn't it? Come on. It brings refreshing, and it blows the cobwebs away. When you look at a truth and say, wow, God. You are for me and against me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. It refreshes you in your day. A spiritual burst of hope. You're like, wow, this world might be so dry and in torment looking for answers, but I reckon how, God, it's a miracle. But as I was feeding on your word, you bring refreshing to my spirit. And you've got the sail of the wind of the spirit in your sail protection, and you get more than you deserved. At the end, Ruth goes back, we, we are this, are the grain, feeding Naomi. If you read it yourself, you see that Boaz is a hot for Ruth, and she's like, okay, let's, he starts feeding her, and they hear like communion together, and then Ruth tells Naomi the story, and Naomi says, look, forever you do, I didn't leave that harvest. Keep on working with them. And I believe that Jesus would encourage us this morning with the truth of the gospel. Didn't leave. You could leave the harvest, the righteousness of God. You could eat whatever you want in this world. And then come out of the protection, the refreshing hand of God. And God would say, hey, just bide in the harvest. Get to know if I am. And I think too much about how your story will end. You're maybe in a stepping stone. Keep on going. And I hope that you've heard Anna came with a, a, a stick to beat you and say, you must, you can't go, read the word of God, read the word of God. But as well, I wouldn't have done my job if I was there to exalt this world and say, you can something, this is your feeding. Sit, ruin it. Get the family to sit, ruin it. Tell the stories. You sometimes learn things for kids. Started reading this, this, I think it was maybe Jacob, Jacob got a book of stories for, it was about boys in the Bible for Sunday school, and now Isaac, every night we read him this, the stories, the amazing story, Noah's, Noah's Ark, David, Goliath, it's a wonderful stories. it's never better verse by verse, it's just the stories. And the other day I was sitting doing and I started reading about the wise and the foolish builder. And kids notice things that you don't notice, because I came the story, the wise man built his house upon a, good, you've been reading your Bible, house upon a rock. It was to do with God's teaching, wasn't it? That it was God's teaching, if you build your foundation on rock, you'll, 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 you'll last past every storm. You'll face the same storm as other people. But did other people build his house on? The sand which Jesus was saying, look, you're building on sand if you're not building on the foundation of God. Same storm came to two different people, the sand person flattened it, the rock sustained. So I've already got the answer of it means, so I said, Isaac, what do you think it means? I'm thinking, I've already said I've got the answer, it's to do with uh, God's teaching, it's about teaching. And he says, Dad, if I get for that hell thing, 
is, in the, in the, it's an illustration book, and you get the picture of the guy with the pickaxe with the sweat coming down, and the guy with the shovel in the sand, like happy. He says, Dad, what I see is, it's difficult to build with stone, and it looks a lot easier to build with sand. Hmm, and I thought, I don't know how to start. In my pre-packed answer, oh, well, Isaac, it's about the Lord's teaching. Build your life upon God's teaching, it'll go well with you, you'll withstand a storm. Build it on sand, which is near God's teaching, it'll collapse. But his main point, it's difficult, it looks more difficult to build on the foundation with stone, while the guy building sand castles is here in a party. <sighs> it happens when you come in the Word of God. Even in an illustration, even in a book that was given for a Sunday school prize given probably 10 years ago. I thought, he's got something. Building on rock. <laughs> it's still the narrow way. It's hard sometimes to glean like a poor person to get some grain. It's hard sometimes when the folk seem to be as doing their end thing and cannot hang about the box sets and you're doing the menial things at church. It's hard sometimes, but it's worth it. I pray for us as a fellowship that we'd be seekers of the grain, but God would also add to the grain. That would be angels saying, oh, they're interested in the Word of God. They've got to get more than they bargained for. They've got to get fed, and I've got to cause them to feed others. It's disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. You disciple yourself well. You get keen enough. You get off your backside. You do, if it's necessary, to glean for this. You go to prayer. You do the Bible study. You do it well. There's got to be somebody that you will come across in life, and as it happens, you've got something to share. You go on, and you look back and say, well, if I hadn't came, if I hadn't got saved, if I hadn't read well, if I hadn't done a study, I would have nothing to offer. And then God's story, the hell story of Ruth, is God's providence, His sovereignty, our circumstances that looks awful and hard, yet in behind, it's near, it's near hell hand, it's near hell encounter, it's simply fingerprints. We need to confess to value fingerprints, and I believe that we need to pray for God's grain. God's harvest, God's words are revelation to be poured out upon God's people that we would be fed, we'd be well fed in Jesus' name, and we would have the capacity that nobody would come to us hungry and leaves hungry, spiritually hungry and leaves hungry, but we could at least say a little thing, oh, hey, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Just going to stand for a moment. I'm not going to ask a worship team to come up. I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Good grain. Good grain. Good grain. God has got good grain. God has got good grain for you. He's got good feeding for you. He's got revelation for you. He's got perils of wisdom for you. Then I worry about how your story is going to end. You're just in a stepping stone. Then I give up and just join another harvest. Going to the world looking for answers that Jesus has got in His harvest. You're looking for protection, it's in the harvest. You're looking for refreshing, it's in the harvest. You're looking for companionship, it's in the harvest. You're looking for the next step. One day, she would own the hell field. 
now was never the time. She had to become nothing. She had to become less. Somebody had no reputation, just like Jesus. I want us to be a fellowship that would handle the Word of God well. Ninos has perfected this. Ninos is masters really in the Word of God. We're on a journey. Some are further along in the harvest field, some just at the start. But we want to see Abdi progress in the Word of God. Jesus, we pray for your people. If you want to respond simply, stretch out your hands. This isn't mumbo jumbo, this isn't magic. I'm just going to pray for good grain to be upon your life. And maybe, just maybe, if you're not hungry for the Word of God, you're not thirsty for the things of the Spirit, that God would break something in your life, that you would break the lies of the enemy that says, this book's not relevant, I don't really need it, I'm saved already, why do I need to get ruin this old-fashioned book? Jesus, as we proclaim to be sons and daughters of the living God, we ask for the Spirit Spirit that Ruth carried to glean the necessary grain to be fed. Help us as Christians, even if it's somebody's first morning here, we proclaim to be thirsty and honoring towards the Word of God. That even if it was somebody's first morning here, as I have spoken the Word of God, that they would feel fed. They would sense something of the hope and love and courage of Jesus. Something that they would simply say is sustenance. And God, I pray for us that as we gather around this world through the week and Sundays and our personal devotional times, I pray for good grain. The Holy Spirit, you would speak to your people through the wonder of your word. They would honor it, we would revere it, we would give a priority place in our life that this book wouldn't be ignored week on week. We thank you that you are the Word became flesh, that we know you in the Spirit, that we have a relationship not with the book, but we have a relationship with Jesus that points to the book, that points back to Jesus. We pray, oh, it's time for some of you to get your highlighters out again. It's time for some of you to journal again, get your highlighter out again, because highlighting things in the Word of God wasn't just for when you got saved. God, I'd be fresh bread, fresh manna. We'd get excited, our spirits would burst forth and come alive. Fall, fall our baskets of good grain. And we pray as well that you would make connections with us and the Naomi's that need fed. That behind the scenes, and God, we don't need rotters among rotters. It doesn't need to be every single ministry opportunity. It doesn't need to be organized. That behind the scenes, there would be encounters with people in Tesco's, doing the road, and workplaces next to people in the jam that are looking for answers and looking for something a feeding. And at that moment, would you quicken our spirits to share with them? Hallelujah the goodness and the grace of the love of Jesus. Wouldn't they just speak mumbo-jumbo? Wouldn't they just speak things to do with politics and prime ministers and conservatives and SNP and all the temporal nonsense? God would have something of the eternal value of the hope of Jesus, the anointing of the living God that would twig people's hearts back to the cross. 
and help us not adrift. And we pray for great times of refreshing and protection upon your people. Stir up a thirst, stir up a hunger, stir up a thirst, stir up a hunger. At times it's difficult, at times we feel so weak, stir up a thirst, stir up a hunger. At times we feel so disillusioned, stir up a thirst, stir up a hunger. At times when it seems so easy just to switch on the TV and go through Facebook Reels, stir up a thirst, stir up a hunger, stop us from wasting our time so much. May we get into the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming. God bless us. Please consider what's being said. Take it home. Scribble doing. Then I forget by the time your Sunday dinner comes. It's not a big up my words, but this is important. Times together, isn't it? You can spend a hell week speaking about temporary stuff. We have got to speak about eternal stuff while we're here. God bless us. Uh, please don't go without saying hello or goodbye to people. Maybe there's a Moabite in here that maybe needs some fellowship. Bless you.